It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Today we are going to have our weekly mailbag show, so let's get to the first question. It comes from Matt. Matt writes, Hi John, I'd be really interested in your views around the opportunity the Jets have in free agency next year. The Jets are projected to hold around $70 million in cap space right now, but you have to add in the numbers from the likely releases of Henry Anderson and Alex Lewis, then we're talking around $80 million in available cap to build the team. Now I know cap space is usually highly overrated for roster construction, but this year is going to be different because with the 2021 cap forecast currently around $175 million, 12 of 32 teams in the league are presently at a negative cap situation for next year. So this could represent a huge opportunity to add playmakers for reasonable contracts. Every year we see the top free agents uh, list released, and by the time we hit free agency, half of them have either been franchise tagged or re-signed. I think this year the list is actually likely to grow as teams are forced to jettison key players to manage their cap numbers. Add to that a new head coach, five picks in the top 100 of the draft, and as long as Joe Douglas can competently manage the offseason, I think the Jets are poised for a really quick turnaround. Would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you, you pretty much got my thoughts entirely. I, I think everything that you said, Matt, is exactly right. The one thing about the NFL is that you always have hope for a quick turnaround. Because there, it, the mechanics of the NFL make it much easier to improve very quickly than you see in other sports. In basketball, if you sign a bad contract, you're stuck in that bad contract till the end. Unless you can figure out a way to do a salary dump with another team. because the, the men, Or baseball, too. Because the contracts are guaranteed. And in baseball, you know, it's tough to build through the draft because you may draft a guy, but he's five years away from making the major leagues. In the NFL, you have players you draft are usually ready to contribute by year two or year three, and you can get you can get out of bad contracts very quickly because players do not sign guaranteed contracts unless it's stipulated at the time you sign them. Guaranteed money is something you decide at the time, but the contracts are not fully guaranteed in the NFL, which means you have a chance to turn things around quickly. And in general, I'm not a big fan of building through free agency because it's not a very cost-effective way to build in this league and part of that is because the cap usually goes up and we've seen this in recent years with the jets where the jets have had among the most salary caps 
space of any team in the league. But the issue is that with the cap going up, everybody has salary cap space, so you're bidding against the other 31 teams for players. And maybe you win the bid because you have the most cap space, because you have more cap space than your opposition. But the price has gone so high that it's not a very cost-effective way to build the roster. This year is going to be a rare opportunity because the cap is likely to go down. And as Matt said, there's going to be a cap crunch. And that could lead to more free agents. It could lead to greater supply of free agents because a player you might have been able to fit into the cap if it was going up may have to be a, you may have to cut. So I, I think that this is a rare opportunity. This is, this is why you know, people may roll their eyes at the idea that the Jets are going to have a lot of cap space this offseason because you've heard this story before, but you have not heard it like this because in the years with Mike McCagnin, the cap was going up. So the Jets may have had more cap space than everybody, but everybody had cap space to spend. This year, everybody's not going to have cap space to spend, which means you're going to be able to spend efficiently. It means that there are going to be bargains to be had in free agency, and teams with smart front offices are going to be able to take advantage of that. So I think I think everything Matt wrote is spot on. If you're looking for some hope, I mean, there's not much hope for 2020, but there actually is some hope for the Jets beyond this year once we get into 2021. And I think the way the Jets have been building, I mean, if you looked at their past offseason, this was not a team that was really trying hard to win in 2020. I think they made some Band-Aid moves. They made some short-term moves to try and you know stay afloat, to try and kind of bring in hold-the-fort type guys. And none of those guys have held the fort. But I think that the way the Jets conducted this past offseason, it was always their plan. 2021 was always their target year to really start building this thing. Next question is from Vincent. Uh, this season has really tested my support for the team. Last year, which was another trying year, the one positive I took away was that Joe Douglas was a highly regarded GM, so I thought we were on the verge of building a solid foundation moving forward. However, the following has happened. He alienated and traded by far our best player in Jamal Adams for late first-round draft picks, while the Jets are notoriously poor drafters. He chose Rashad Perryman over Robbie Anderson. He passed on solid run-blocking lineman Jack Conklin, for proven or discarded journeyman lineman Fant and Van Roten. He took a second tier of center with McGovern instead of trying for the top free agents at the position. There have been poor draft results, while Becton's looked good in two games. Ashton Davis has not shown much, and the Florida defensive lineman Zaniga is so irrelevant, I don't even know his name. I threw in Zaniga. Vincent did not write Zaniga's name in there. P. Ryan, who can't touch the ball, and a backup quarterback who isn't playing when Sam got hurt. He signed a Frank Gore, a 37-year-old running back. Why? Now this bell fiasco. Question is, why should I remain confident in Joe, Joe, Joe Douglas? The early, the early returns leave quite a bit to be desired as we have unquestionably the worst talent in the league. Also, are we sure he isn't aligned with Gase's thinking on players? Douglas has acquired Gase favorites Gore and Bellage and has gotten rid of a player who dared question the genius of the, of the coach, Bell. Please cheer me up. Okay, well, you know, I mean, some of these I, I agree with more than others. I don't know that Joe Douglas alienated Jamal Adams. I think Adams was just frustrated with the whole situation. It seems like Gase kind of alienated Adams, and Adams was just frustrated with the losing. Choosing Perryman over Anderson, that one that one doesn't look very good right now. That one looks like a, a big miscalculation. Um, passing on Jack Conklin for Fanton Van Roten. Um, you know, I, I was surprised they did not go after Conklin, so I'll, I'll give you that one. I think Van Roten, Van Roten's actually been a successful signing. Not that he's been very good, but I don't think he's been worse than Brian Winters, and he costs about half as much as Winters d- did. So if you're not going to be good at right guard, you at least get cheaper. So I actually, I'm actually going to 
say something controversial and say that I think Van Roten has worked out because I wasn't expecting him to be great. I was expecting him to be maybe a little bit of an upgrade over Winters and be cheaper. So I think that was okay. Um, signing Frank Gore, I think that it was a defensible signing. I think that's more an issue with how the coach uses Gore. I've mentioned this before. I've mentioned this in past shows. I don't really have an issue with Frank Gore being on the team as like a mentor to Pirine, but I think that the coaching staff is just over. The coaching staff is still is using him like he's a go-to guy. So I put that more on the coaches than the, than the general manager. And Bell, I put almost entirely on Gaze. And I don't think I don't I don't think that talking about the drafted players is quite is is really that fair right now because we're six games into these guys' careers. A lot of these guys have been injured so far, and you, you just can't expect a lot from rookies. So I think it takes years and years to judge a draft class. So I would not put that on Douglas. So, I mean, I think some of these complaints I agree with more than others, but here's the thing is I, I don't think Joe Douglas has made like a legacy move yet. A move, I don't think Joe Douglas has made any move big enough where you can say, this is a move that we will remember Joe Douglas for positively or negatively. There's no true Maine Johnson. There's no Christian Hackenberg. There's no Mark Sanchez. There hasn't been any move of that magnitude yet. And I go back to something I said answering the last question. If you look at the way this past offseason set up, you could tell the Jets were really looking at 2021 and beyond. And I'll close by saying this. You have to you have to judge the general manager over a multi-year stretch because Douglas is just starting to implement his plan. And at this point of Mike McCagnan's tenure with the Jets, everybody thought he was great because he made all of those big free agent signings in 2015 and they had all worked out. And as it turned out, Mike McCagney was not very good because he was not able to implement a long-term plan. So you have to judge the general manager on more than one year. And really, this was Douglas's first year. I know he made a couple moves last year. Ryan Khalil, which was a bad move. I mean, look, if you want to be confident in Joe Douglas's uh, position based on the moves he's made so far as Jets general manager, you really can't be. And to be honest with you, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm confident in Joe Douglas. It takes me a couple of years to figure out whether or not I should be confident in a general manager. So I'm not saying I'm confident in Joe Douglas yet, but I don't think we've seen enough moves to say that he's a bad general manager. I think that we're just at the very beginning of the process where he's either going to build this team successfully or not, because this is the off season where he has the assets necessary to start turning this thing around. And we'll find out, we'll know more about him in a year, two years, three years down the line. I think it's just too early to really judge him. I mean, you can judge the individual moves, which have not been very good, but none of these have been the type of moves that were that are so big that it's going to be something we remember when we think back to Joe Douglas, the way other Jets general managers have made big moves. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. The next question comes from Joe. The biggest knock on Sam Darnold coming out of USC was that he fumbled too much. 
given the fact that they have failed to surround him with a quality supporting cast, how can the Jets possibly think of giving up on him and all the draft capital they spent to acquire him? The facts appear to me that the only thing the Jets have truly learned about Darnold since drafting him is that he does not have a fumble problem. Given this mess, what has Sam done that would make you give up on him as a former number three overall pick? It seems to me that spending even more draft capital at the quarterback position to draft Trevor Lawrence would set the Jets back another three years. Well, Joe, I, I think you make a couple good points. I, I think the the first thing, and I never thought that this was really a legitimate criticism of Darnold. It was when he was coming out of USC, people talked about his fumbling and the reason I did not think it was a legitimate issue, it wasn't so much that he, it wasn't so, it wasn't so much that people were wrong that he was fumbling. It's just I thought about like all the quality quarterbacks in the NFL, and has there ever has there ever been a quarterback who could read defenses, throw an accurate ball, you know, lift his team up? But you said, oh, that guy's not a good quarterback because he fumbles too much. I mean, look, you don't want your quarterback to fumble the ball, but. Philip Rivers has been a very successful quarterback in the NFL. He fumbles the ball an awful lot. So I don't think fumbling is, is really a deal breaker. But more to your larger point, Joe, I think that the situation that has played out in Tennessee should weigh heavily on the Jets. The fact that you have a quarterback who left Adam Gase and suddenly looks really, really good, that has to be in your mind right now as you watch Sam Darnold struggle under this coach. And... Even if the Jets were to draft a quarterback this year, all right, you're going to need a placeholder guy to compete with him in training camp anyway. It's very rare you draft a quarterback and just immediately hand him the starting job. Usually you bring somebody in to compete with the, with him in camp. Why not make it Darnold? If you got to have somebody anyway, just keep Darnold, give him one more chance without Adam Gase. And if he succeeds, then you know you figure out what you figure out your plan down the road. It's not a problem. I mean, it's not a problem to have two quality young quarterbacks on your roster. I don't think that's a, that's really an issue. So, I think that if I were the Jets, I'd give. Dar I think you have to give Darnold one shot without Gase. He's still not that old, and he's been put in. As you said, Joe, he's been put into an impossible situation. Our next question, do you see any team making an offer for Darnold? The 49ers come to mind for me as Garoppolo is clearly not the answer the way he's playing. Maybe the Colts could be interested too or not. Well, I'm not sure whether anybody's going to make an offer for Darnold, but I would not trade Darnold at the deadline from this standpoint. Going beyond what I just said about how I would give him a shot without Adam Gase, but I don't think you can trade Darnold until you have a replacement in place. Because what happens if the Jets start winning a couple games and they take themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence draft spot? And I know you could say, well, that's not going to happen. Hey, this time last year, the Dolphins looked like a lock for the number one overall pick. And then they won some games down the stretch. I'm not saying I'm expecting it, but the number one overall pick's not a lock for the Jets. There are a lot of bad, there are a lot of really bad teams in the NFL that are still competing with them for that spot. So I don't think you can say the number one pick is a guarantee. And if you get yourself into a situation where you've traded Darnold and then you can't draft a quarterback this year, I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to play Joe Flacco next year? So I don't think the Jets can trade Darnold until they are guaranteed to have the replacement. Now, they can do it before. If they have the number one overall pick and they know they're getting the quarterback of their choice, it's just a matter of waiting. Then You could trade Darnold before the draft because then you know you've got the quarterback in place. But until you are guaranteed to have the quarterback in place, the replacement there, I would not even consider trading Darnold. 
next question. I guess this segment is the Darnold-themed section. Uh, should we consider trading down from the presumed number one pick to surround Darnold with better talent and give him an extra year to prove himself with an actual supporting cast? What could we feasibly get from trading down? And would you trust Joe Douglas and the Jets scouting staff to pick the right players to make passing on Trevor Lawrence worth it? And to be honest with you, I, I don't think we can answer that question yet because I think we need to see the rest of the year play out. I think we need to see how Darnold looks when he returns. And another thing that comes into play here is how the non-Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks look the rest of the way. Now, let's say, let's ignore what I just said. Let's say, hypothetically, the Jets are going to get the number one overall pick. That doesn't necessarily mean they pass on all of the quarterbacks. Now, what could they get for the number one pick? This is just a guess, but I mean, I think you could be talking about multiple first-round picks because Lawrence is so highly regarded as a prospect. I would not be surprised if we're talking like an RG3 type trade. And part of it also, it comes down to how far the Jets move down. The Jets moving down to the fourth overall pick is not going to require as much in the trade as the Jets moving down to pick 11. So that, that also comes into play. But I think we're talking about a massive package because I think Trevor Lawrence is that highly regarded. But you could also consider trading down and taking a quarterback. In fact, in a four-year span near the turn of the century, the Chargers did that twice. In 2001, they had the number, the number one overall pick. Everybody thought they were going to take Michael Vick. They traded down in the first round. They drafted LaDainian Tomlinson. And then at the top of the second round, they drafted Drew Brees. Three years later, they had the number one overall pick. Eli Manning refused to play for them. So what they did was they drafted Eli Manning, and they traded him on draft day for a number of picks. And one of the players they got in return was Philip Rivers, who the I think I think what happened was the Chargers actually drafted Eli and the Giants actually drafted Philip Rivers and then Eli was traded from the Chargers to the Giants and Rivers was traded from the Giants to the Chargers. But along with Rivers, the Giants sent a lot of picks to the Chargers, which ended up helping them accelerate their rebuild quite a bit. So I think part of this question also might be how do the non Lawrence quarterbacks stack up? Because if you think you can get a franchise quarterback trade down and get all the picks you might do that i think it's a tough question right now so here's the here's the thing i do think the jets should keep darnold for another year and give him a chance but i think not drafting a quarterback is pretty risky right now because the best conceivable scenario for darnold is that the jets have given him no chance they put no weapons around him they've they've given him bad coaches a bad system and they have not done any permanent damage by putting him into this situation during his formative years. And he's going to emerge from this and end up being a great quarterback. And that's a possible outcome. But would you want to bet everything on that? I'm not sure I'd want to bet everything on that. Because you have to remember, Darnold only has one cheap year left on his rookie contract. After next year, he's going to get a lot more expensive. And he's going to be either be on his fifth-year option, which is pretty expensive, or he's going to require a contract extension, in which case his price is going to go up. You know, we're talking probably over $20 million a year. Would you want to bet the future of the franchise? Would you want to put all of your eggs in the basket that everything's going to be fine once Darnold's, you know, once the Jets put a better team around Darnold? I think it's possible, but I would want to have another option. I'd want to, I'd want to give myself as many chances to get the quarterback position right as possible. So I think it, part of it depends on how you rate the quarterbacks. Um, I do think that it's probably a more viable option than a lot of people would admit, but I think we need to see the rest of the year because I, I think there are still some questions that go unanswered. If Darnold comes back and plays great, you know, 
he may convince the Jets that they need to trade down. He may convince the Jets that drafting a quarterback is not an option, but he needs to show something. And if he doesn't, then I think the Jets really need to look at drafting a quarterback. And then it comes down to how many franchise quarterbacks do you think are available in the first round this year? And how much better is Trevor Lawrence than any of them? And the other thing I'll say is it's quite possible that Trevor Lawrence, even though he's probably going to be the number one overall pick, it's quite possible that he's not going to be the quarterback from this year's class that has the best career. And if that's the case, then I think trading down is has to be something you consider. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There are now 18 amazing flavors. There are six new flavors to go with the 12 originals. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Peanut butter has 19 grams protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs, while cookies and cream has 17 grams protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. It can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be talked about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to, te- to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Lockdown Jets podcast here on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, is Trevor Lawrence a better prospect coming out of college than Sam Darnold was? I get the impression most talent evaluators would say yes, Lawrence is very, very highly regarded, and in the days and weeks ahead, I'll try and bring on some draft experts to talk about Lawrence and some of the other draft prospects for this year. When it comes to the draft, I try and I tend to lean more on experts. I think I'm pretty good when it comes to breaking down film or talking about the salary cap, and I like to think I have something to say when it comes to the draft, but it's uh, it's not one of my areas of strength, so I tend to lean more on others. So I'll try and get some other people on here in the weeks ahead. But I think in general, most analysts would probably say that, yes, Lawrence is better right now than Darnold was coming out of college. Next question, while keeping Adam Gase as the coach until the end of the season may be the best way to ensure acquiring the number one pick this year, which is extra valuable because of Trevor Lawrence, is it still worth it to acquire that pick considering the damage 10 more games under Gase could do to the young players on the team who are part of the future, not to mention the fans? Well, that's an interesting question. I I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to do a ton of damage because I, I you know, but I think that the argument that you keep Gase just to get the number one overall pick, the premise of that just seems flawed because I think the team has to do its best to try and develop players and to try and win games and try and you know get players to perform who may be part of the future of the franchise. I, I don't think you could just stop playing and just say, 
just go out there and intentionally try to lose games, that's going to take care of itself because the Jets aren't a very good team. And I understand the appeal of the number one overall pick because you could either draft Lawrence or trade down. But there are also many times where, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the player picked later on ends up being the better pick. You know, I got, it's not always the case that the number one overall pick is the best player in that draft class. I mean, I think back to 2015 when everybody was talking about it was the, it was the 2014 season, the 2015 draft, when everybody throughout that year, a lot of people wanted the Jets to lose so that they'd get either Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. And neither of those would have worked out. So I think sometimes you get you, you overestimate how valuable losing and getting the number one pick is over having like the number three or four overall pick. And our last question if the Jets own the first overall pick and are able to attract the top co- top tier coaching candidate who wants Trevor Lawrence, would this season be absolutely worth it for the proper rebuild? You know, I don't think we'll know whether this season was worth it for a long time. It's certainly true that sometimes a horrible season ends up benefiting your franchise in the long run, and it's certainly possible, but I don't think you can say it I don't think you'll be able to say it you know, a few months from now after the Jets hire a coach and even after they draft Trevor Lawrence. I remember three years ago, people wanted to lose to get the quarterback we have now, Sam Darnold. And, you know, it's so far that really has not worked out. So we'll see in the long run if the Jets can get a coach who can build this team in the lo- for the long term and the Jets can figure out the quarterback position and they improve vastly over the next two years, then I think, yeah, you could probably say that 2020 even as painful as it was to go through, was worth it. But we need to see that first. I don't think you can just say because the Jets hire a certain coach or draft a certain quarterback that it's all worth it. We need to see the Jets go out there and win some games. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a good Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.